0: Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for this Lord's Day, and we thank you for the blessing of the class that we can gather together and to look at your Word topically, uh, to enjoy discussing it together, to look at the themes that we may draw out of it by the help of your Holy Spirit. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us, guide us, direct us. May you be glorified through our continued study of the Proverbs. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you should see your handout in front of you. Just a very quick review. Very quick. You may recall that we started out by defining understanding. Understand and understanding, both the noun and the verb, which are related in in Hebrew, uh, both come from a root word that means essentially to plan and to, to understand the planning and the procedure like as in a construction project. And so, to understand something is to understand the details and the nuances on how something comes together. And so, if we think about that conceptually in terms of God-given understanding, it would be to understand how God works how God's economy, as theologians would put it, uh, works. And so, uh, that's understanding. Then last week, we looked at how we may gain understanding. And we saw that we gain understanding through desire, that is a willingness to obtain understanding, through a pursuit, that is an action, an active part of pursuing Through reading, that is through words, we take in uh, God's Word and we gain understanding through listening, that is through gaining of of hearing the wise, and also listening to certain aspects of life, and then through study. Um, You'll see here on your handout that I've included in the parentheses the emphasis upon words Right, we we gain understanding through God's word. God's word is conveyed to us through language, through words, and so that's what we looked at last week. This week, what I want us to focus on is the question of uh, how is understanding sometimes witnessed in others? How is understanding sometimes witnessed? In others. Now you may recall from the first Sunday that we looked at understanding, I said that understanding can come through by God's design, comes through uh, God's Word, it comes through others that is, the wise, wise uh, fellow believers and through life. And so, if you think about it in the sense of witnessing it in other people, well, that would sort of, all that seems to come together uh, in that. And so how is understanding sometimes witnessed in others? Let's start here. Proverbs eleven twelve: Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. So sometimes understanding can be witnessed through Silence. How hard is that to witness? Right? I mean, we, if you think about it, we often think, just like this class, we, we think, well, we, we gain understanding or we learn through someone speaking. But sometimes silence carries a significant message. What would be an example? What would be an I- I- example of how silence reveals understanding? What would be an example of how silence reveals understanding? Okay, someone is angry with you, they lash out at you, and it would be very easy to respond in kind... But instead, you remain silent. Yep, that's the example I think of. Yeah, the hardest to do, right? But uh, that, would, that would show a depth of, of understanding. What would be another example? So that other have an to speak. Oh, giving other people an opportunity to speak. Yeah, that, that would be a good example as, as well. Understanding that there are other contributions that's excellent. Yield to, Yield to Sam, okay? All right. Just going to listen to what Sam says, right? Really being you don't being yeah, that would be sort of the reverse of of what true understanding is, right? But to a certain extent, and I think where you're you're going with that, um, we we. We understand the power of silence based on context, mm-hmm. right? Just because someone's quiet doesn't mean they have understanding. It has to be appropriate to the context, right? Others witness you being silent and they're like, I think that person knows better, but they're not saying anything. That witness is yeah. of the, from the, per, the observer. Yeah. Is yeah. What 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 does the, the scripture say uh, about a godly woman? One who is gentle and yeah, quiet. Yeah, yeah, gentle or meek and quiet, quiet, quiet spirit. And and again, the, the, the idea of that though is context. It's not just that every quiet woman is is godly. It's that it, that's displaying something based on 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 context. Um, why are you all laughing? I, that was not a pointed comment. I was just... Okay. All right. You were thinking, like Proverbs 31, where is that gentle and quiet woman? I've been... I didn't say that. You did. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so one of the ways that others can witness... Understanding in us, or as we witness it in others, is in silence. The second point, Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Now, I have... Uh, labeled this as peaceful. I realize that's not the specific language in this proverb, but I, I think it is conveying uh, what the, the sage is writing here. What does it mean to be slow to anger? Okay, a studied response. Studied. studied. You're understanding what's going on. You're not just exploding in response, but carefully analyzing the situation. I think that's, that's good. What else? What does it mean slow to anger? Think before you speak. That's right. That's a good one. Patience. Yeah, patience. That's right. Understanding that, that the tendency is to do what? To respond in haste to respond in anger, to allow our emotions to get the, the best of us. How, how many of us, don't, don't raise your hand, uh, but, but how, how many of us have been caught off guard in a situation? Yeah, in a situation caught off guard. I'm, I'm fine as long as I'm in a situation where I can maintain context and maintain my head, but if I get caught off guard and someone punches me in the face... That's figuratively speaking. Um, it, it, it's hard to maintain that patience, isn't it? You want your—I can feel—I get—I start getting hot right here, and my face gets red, you know. And uh, and and Sydney looks at me like, no, no, uh, right? So th- those are, these are all good, good examples. Look at the last part of this. I think it also, again, this is that, that, that comparative and that the sage uses. He who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Now what the sage is doing here is he's both defining what it means to be slow to anger, but also expounding on both. Expounding on the wise and the foolish. The wise is slow to anger, which is defined in its opposite as hasty to temper. A hasty temper, meaning one that comes on quickly. And the one who is slow to anger possesses what? Great. Not just understanding, but but he adds to this. Almost in a, in a hyperbolic sense, this great understanding. The 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 fool is the one. The one who exalts folly uh, is the one who has a hasty temper. Incidentally, and I know this may be stating asking the obvious, but but why does a slow to anger, one who is not hasty to temper, convey quote unquote great understanding? What is it about? being able to hold one's temper that conveys great understanding. Maybe it could, it could be in part that some people just have bad habits in how they respond. Right? I mean someone could be very explosive. That's kind of how they have gone through life and handled things. And you give people a moment to vent. Yeah. Yeah. And it would reveal about them that they, they don't have great understanding, right? To 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 in their venting. They don't don't have a whole lot of, of understanding, right? And one of the, yes, JD? John Piper said we're all spring loaded to respond. Yeah. And slow to anger is a characteristic of God. So if we're slow to anger, slow to speak, we're displaying God's character. That's right. That's right. Of course, we could say that about all these godly attributes, couldn't we? That's exactly right. Well, and I'm glad you said that because that, that I think that um, I, I think it's very helpful. So I've given this example before. You may recall the very first page of John Calvin's Institutes of the Christian Religion. The very first page, he says that there are two things that you need to know. You remember what they are? You need to know about two people: God and yourself, right? And, and so you, you have to understand yourself, and, 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 and he elaborates on that actually through all of the institutes. And, um, and, but, but again, it's, it's that idea of um, in order for me to be slow of temper, I need to know, as J.D.'s uh, uh, idiom uh, is, or, or J.D.'s quote of John Piper's idiom is, is that I'm spring-loaded. I need to know that. And if I don't know that, it's kind of like Roger's point. The per- person who, who has to vent, you know, who has to get it all out, well, they don't yet know that they're spring-loaded. They don't yet know who, who they are. They don't know themselves very well. And oftentimes what happens is, is that we're very quick to perceive in others their, their uh, spring-loadedness, Right. But, but, but as Calvin directs us in the very beginning of his Institutes, um, I need a self-examination. I, I need to, to, to be able to look at, and, and is this my tendency? Another proverb on this is Proverbs 17, 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. And I included that proverb because, not because of the first clause, but look at the second clause. What is a cool spirit? Well, no, it's not that, right? <laughs> what's, a, what's a cool spirit? <laughs> so it's the opposite of hot. So what's a hot, what would be a, a hot spirit would be a hot. Head Right? Someone who is hasty to temper, to borrow from the previous proverb. A cool spirit conveys an internalness, right? Who, who we are and how we are composed, how we compose ourselves. And so a cool spirit, it would be someone who is calm, who has developed the spiritual discipline within their lives to remain calm, Calm in the midst of controversy and strife, and so they have a cool spirit. And again, the same thing applies. He is a man of understanding because, first of all, he has understood himself. He knows what his tendencies are. He knows where his uh, uh, you know trips are. You know what I mean by trips? You know, there's certain things each one of us have that that we're susceptible to, and we know our vulnerabilities. And then, secondly, he knows who God is. And what God is like, as J.D. pointed out, He is indeed a God of steadfast love and slow to anger. Number three, Proverbs 14.33. Wisdom rests in the heart of a man of understanding, but it makes itself known even in the midst of fools. And so one of the ways that we see and witness understanding in others is through their wisdom. Let's look more carefully at this proverb. Wisdom rests in the heart. What does it mean? What does the sage mean by wisdom rests? Wisdom rests. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So it's certainly not hasty, not active, but resting. What else? What's it what's rest a characteristic of peace? How about home? When at home I'm I'm resting, right? Wisdom wisdom has a home in the heart of a man of understanding. In other words, one who has Developed wisdom, again, go back to two weeks ago when we introduced this topic, by God's Word, by other wise believers in our lives, by life, going through life and and seeing how life works, so forth and so on, right? Wisdom rests in the heart of that one who has gained understanding by those three things. But then the second clause is fascinating. But it makes itself known. What is it? But it makes... Yeah, wisdom. But wisdom makes itself known even in the midst of fools. What does that mean? What does it mean that wisdom makes itself even makes itself known in the midst of fools? They need to be on how to get that yeah. And that's the wise. Now, I don't do that, i <laughs> a... <laughs> yeah. you not know, No, that's perfect, isn't it? I mean the, the 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 wise is in that moment, knowing what needs to be done, and even in the midst of fools. Of course, you're not you got always so you got lots of fools. Okay. Well I've heard they're everywhere. I've heard that they, they, they have they have uh, spread out and are, are uh, found in every industry of the world. Uh, but in the midst, uh, although there seems to be a high concentration in Washington D.C. <laughs> Oops, uh-oh, there was there was that political comment again, right? Um, no, but uh, but 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 wisdom being found. It's sort of like what we talked about. Um, oh, it's been a number of weeks ago about. Uh, all truth is God's truth. If it's real truth, it's God's truth. The same thing applies is that, that wisdom is God's wisdom and it's regarded by all who are made in God's image. It is fascinating to me that from a common grace perspective that even those who lash out against the one and only true God will recognize wisdom when they need it. And maybe it's in the midst of a crisis and on the job site. Maybe it's a, a moment in their own personal lives. But, but consistently, we see that wisdom is regarded by all who are made in the image of God at some point in life. And so we see this. We witness then understanding in the wise. Number four, Proverbs fifteen twenty one, Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. But a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Now, I'm going to help you a little bit uh, with some interpretive uh, commentary, but I have categorized this under the heading of morally upright. And uh, the reason why I'm I'm going ahead and and doing a little bit of the homework for you uh, is that this is a good fairly liberal, I mean not liberal, literal translation uh, from the Hebrew, walks straight ahead, um, but it again is poetic language, it is figurative, and the general idea, or we would call it a Hebraic idiom, is that this is referring to one who lives a moral life. To walk straight ahead, and and just to, to pause there for just a second, why would that be a brilliant idiom in life? One who walks straight ahead as being an idiom for morally uprightness, not distracted by the world. What else? Yeah, staying on the path. We've got all sorts of biblical idioms that we introduce into the English language that come from this. The straight and narrow, the narrow way, you know, the, uh, the, the path, the way, etc. So there's all these sort of, of idioms that we employ. But in general, what we mean by those is that someone does not stray off into sin, but they live a moral life. So as that is, as I understand it, the, the Hebraic idiom here, now let's look at it. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. How would godly understanding contribute to living a morally upright life? How does godly understanding contribute to living a morally upright life? Yeah, that which is wise, that which is fooling, that having the discernment between right and wrong. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it, it is actually, we need not, exactly. We need not make it hard, should we? I mean, it's, it's really quite simple. It is cause and effect. It's, 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 it's sowing and reaping. It's bearing the consequences of what has been done, and one who has understanding knows that sin is folly. They know that sin is a fool's game. In fact, look at it in parallel to the first clause. Folly, and and by folly that that means uh, sinful indulgence or, or, or unwise behavior that is sinful. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. Why is it a joy to him? Because got no sense, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really that simple. A one who does not have the ability, as Jerry said, to discern between right and wrong, with someone who sees all of life as gray, as negotiable, you know, well, maybe I won't sin. Of course, the world may not even refer to it as sin, right? But it's okay to sin in this circumstance. It's not okay to sin in this circumstance, right? I mean, that's the world we live in. I mean that's that that's the that's the uh, uh, what, what what would we say the ubiquitous nature of how the world perceives justice is the world craves justice because we're all made in the image of of God it's a communicable attribute we want justice for who for me but no I want justice for others too that agree with. Me, right? Uh, But in the sense of a, a holy and right justice that has nothing to do with me... Well, that's another thing in itself. And so, so we see this all the time, the inability to discern between right and wrong the folly that is bound up in the mind of the foolish. But those who have understanding, well, we witness that understanding in their godliness. We rip, rip, witness that in their living a morally upright life. Number five, and incidentally, just to, to to chase the rabbit before we go to five and six, um, th- that is that is one of the reasons why that we need to be very careful about seeing any kind of influence come in to, to our lives or into the church where sin is exalted under the auspices of grace. You know, well, you know, I'm just I'm just I'm just being authentic, you know, just sending away like a pagan, but I'm just showing the world that God's a gracious God. Well, I mean, again, that's A, contrary to Scripture, but B, it also shows folly and a foolish heart, one who does not have understanding, because the one who has understanding lives a godly life. Number five, teachable. Teachable. Let's look at the proverb. Uh 19.25, strike a scoffer and the simple will learn prudence. Reprove a man of understanding and he will gain knowledge. Now, it may not look like it, but there's actually a lot in this little proverb. Uh, and we actually could spend... I don't know, 30 minutes. I'm breaking this down, and we don't have time to, but just to hit the high points, so the, the imagery is one of some sort of, of disciplinary action. It's physical discipline, right? So probably figuratively used, but to, to strike someone would be some form of, of physical blow or punishment. But why the scoffer? What, what would be the necessity of, of, of striking a scoffer? And again, don't forget, description is not prescription, right? So we're trying to understand the wisdom here. Okay. Or 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 possibly one who is, is scoffing God right? So so a a, a scoffer, perhaps one who, uh, you know, there is no God, or if there is a God, he has no authority over me, or so forth and so on. And so the imagery is, um, you know, the the one that just a couple of us have occasionally in our imagination, but never do, right? (laughs) Right? Yeah, scoffer. (laughs) Strike the scoffer, right? But no, the idea here is some form of discipline. And then it goes on and introduces the simple. Now what the sage, and again, I don't want to get lost too much in the trees here, but what the sage is doing here is he is so brilliantly teaching us about one who scoffs, presumably against God, and how that reveals that they are a simpleton, they are one that doesn't have wisdom. They have virtually no true knowledge as God gives knowledge. Uh, there are that we, we might refer to them as, as a moron or, or someone who is, is just so simple-minded. They don't see the things of God. I did use that in my sermon last Sunday. Uh, so thanks for all the feedback. It's those things that, you know, nobody hears your sermon, but they do hear it when you use one choice word. And um, so anyway... But, 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 th- but that's sort of the idea. And what the sage is doing here is he's teaching us about both. He's introducing those two words to say, the simple-minded is the one who does scoff against God. The scoffer reveals his simple-mindedness. And so by tying these two together, then he then goes on to say, the simple will learn prudence. Now what is fascinating about this in the, in the Hebrew scholar's take different positions on this, is, is the simple the one who's watching the striking? Meaning the scoffer, ah, there is no God, I hate God, He has no authority, takes the discipline, and the simpleton's observing, going, ooh, I don't want that. Right. That's one possibility. The other possibility of interpretation is they're one and the same person the scoffer is the simple and they even though they are simple minded the simple act of retributive justice retributive justice has its effect right and so again you think about it in terms of a justice system the justice system the punishment that comes from a right justice system is intended to have its effect and the effect is what to reduce crime to reduce in in our case we'd use the terminology of sin, but to reduce sin. But in a in a uh, in a commonwealth we'd say well a justice system exists to res, reduce crime to keep order so forth and so on and so the crime should meet the punishment so that it will in fact reduce the crime so forth and so on in an, in an ideal world. So the general idea though is that the simple is learning. They're gaining something from this even if they don't have the knowledge of God even if they don't own a lick of wisdom, they see something happen and they go, whoa, I do not want that. Or if it's themselves, they go, whoa, I don't ever want that to happen again. Right? Yeah, J.D.? Well, you could certainly apply it over a myriad of topics. It seems to be contextually we have to ask who's doing the striking. So, yeah, it could be that God's the one. uh, Of course, God's always the one who's behind discipline, but what? Yeah, it could come through providence. That's right. Could could come through the, the government, which is probably the context here. Yeah, but undoubtedly we could apply it across a myriad of areas because the general idea is to learn prudence. What does it mean to learn prudence? Not everybody at once, one at a time. (laughs) Maintain order. Okay, thinking before you act. The general idea is is that the, the simpleton observed or received the punishment and now they have gained prudence which says, I'm not going to do that or I'm not going to do that again, whichever the, the case is. And so they've gained that prudence from it. And oftentimes we think about that in a very practical, objective sense, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's the uh, the the old. I mean, I th- I think about it with my my own kids. You know, the o- oldest. You know, you you had to discipline the one after him. You just raised the eyebrow. You know, so that's good. Yeah, John. <laughs> Well, I think to, to J.D.'s point, you, you could apply it figuratively to a number of different areas of life. Uh, again, well, I mean, again, so, so let's, let, let's take it at the most basic level and then go where you're going. At the most basic level, what this would be referring to is, is the king and his government and one who scoffs, in, in the case of Israel, one who scoffs against God, should in fact be physically, publicly punished. So maybe this is lashes. Maybe this is some form of, of physical punishment to say that's not what we do here in this country. So that that would be the very base, rudimentary understanding of this. But then to apply that figuratively, uh, it could that's, that that uh, striking could be a verbal confrontation to say. Uh, I'm, I'm confronting you on this point, or this sin in your life, or whatever the case is, and and of course, as we all know, that can feel like a strike, right? And that, that's where you're going, right? Yeah, yeah. So it can can be verbal, and then it can have a myriad of interpretations if we if we want to to take it above to just the figurative level, uh, as J.D. was pointing out. It could also have to do with the striking can come through the circumstances of life, right? We, we, as uh, I've used in pastoral counseling before. Um, uh, personal finance is one of the strongest disciplinary forms in the world, right? It tends to, to affect us in many different ways. And in that case, it can also there can also be a striking of it. But to reprove a man of understanding, uh, he gains not just prudence, Right? It's not just, ooh, that's bad, I don't want to do that, but he does what? He already has knowledge, but what happens? He gains, he gains from it. That's right. And, and that's one of the, the, the pictures of uh, one who is understa- has understanding is, is he or she is always looking at life through the lens of gaining by being taught. I see that, that teaches me. I've witnessed that, that teaches me. Or I've read that, I've gained from it, I've heard that, I've gained from it. But it's always in the sense of gaining more and more knowledge from what they encounter. Number six, and finally, discerning. Discerning. And this kind of goes back to what Jerry was talking about earlier. Uh, But in this proverbs specifically verse 20 uh, chapter 20 verse 5 the purpose in a man's heart is like deep water but a man of understanding will draw it out now it's it's really a beautiful proverb isn't it and 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 the idea of it i mean you can just see it's so poetically perfect really is there's this there's this cavern of 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 water and, and, it's, and it's so deep, you know, it's, it's not clear, or maybe it is clear, but it's so deep, you can't see the bottom. And so the imagery is that there is someone who can pull this water out of that deep cavern. And who is that person? Well, that person is a man or a person of understanding. And the general idea, and I'm going to have to be quick on this because of time, but the general idea of this is that is godly discernment. Godly discernment is being able to come upon a situation and to know what needs to be done and to act upon it. It's sort of like Steve's example on, on the job site. The one of wisdom knows what needs to be done, probably is the one who maintains, maintains the cool head and doesn't run around like Chicken Little. you Oh, the world's in chaos. Everything's going to hell. Oh, no, no. No, it's just, okay, here I am. I got it. I understand. I maintain a cool head. I know what needs to be done, and I'm going to act on it. I'm going to be a, a man of understanding. All right, so that concludes what we see. We've got one more section I want us to cover, and it's a positive one on what are some of the benefits of understanding, and we will look at that next week. Let me pray for us. <clears throat> Our gracious God in heaven, we do thank you that you are not silent on the subject of understanding, but rather you are the one who gives us understanding. And as you have indwelled each of us with the spirit of Christ, and so Christ is indeed wisdom, we pray for wisdom. We pray that you would apply it to our lives, and we pray that we would not merely be hearers of your word, but so also doers. Let us internalize what we have looked at today. Indeed, let us be a people who are discerning, who are teachable who are morally upright, a people who are wise, a people who are peaceful, and in the right context context, are gentle and quiet. Oh God, we pray that you would be glorified through us as we seek to honor you with our lives. So also we are people who acknowledge that we have been crucified in Christ and that it is Christ who lives in and for us And we rejoice in this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.